Good morning. Uh, good to see you all. Um, if you have your Bible, um, will you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 17. We're on Ephesians 6 again, uh, verse 10 through 17. Let us receive the word from God. Beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and all supplication to the end, with all prayer, and keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us together. Pray that you will continue to uh, lead us in this time of worship. Lord, um, this is your word. We want to place uh, firmly be rooted, uh, be built upon your word. So Holy Spirit, please speak to us through your word that that, that you, uh, through your inspiration, that you spoke to us what we need to hear and see and understand and live out in our lives. So Father, we entrust all things in your hands for your will to be done. Lead us, guide us, pray all this in Jesus' name. So, um, when I was back in um, San Antonio uh, many years ago now, um, one of my members came up to me and said this, that he was thinking about getting a samurai sword for his son's 13th birthday. Okay, that's the reaction I was hoping for, right? Come on, I mean, I, and I, as soon as I heard that, I didn't know what to say. I just didn't know what to say. Okay, pastor, this is what I'm thinking. I'm running this by you. I'm thinking about getting a, a samurai sword. It's not an itty bitty one, the full size one, the whole nine yard, the, the legit samurai sword for his 13th birthday 
I just didn't know what to say. Like, not every day, obviously, you hear someone saying, you know, I'm going to get a samurai sword, but let alone you're going to get one for your son's 13th birthday. And as a pastor, I've heard so many things before, but that probably was one of the strangest things I, I've heard as a pastor. It's up there. And immediately I was thinking, is this really happening? You know, am I, did I hear this? And then I was thinking to myself, what do I say? You know, how do I talk him out of this? Or, you know, what is this about? Where is this from? And then it gets worse when the father, this member, said to me, Pastor, by the way, I'm doing this because of you. Wh what? And I'm doing this because you gave me the idea through your message. And I'm even more perplexed, confused, and worried. He's going to go around, you know, tell all the church members saying that, hey, I've done this for my son. And, you know, I've, did this, I've done this because Pastor Jason, his message. And I'm thinking to myself, I did this. I made this happen. So, I was like, okay, all right, and then it gets better, and it actually gets much better. And he was saying, he will get a sword in a display box, this full-size samurai sword in a glass display box, and he will write these words on a plaque for his son, and I still have the exact wording, and I quote, as a teenager... A ton of temptation will come your way. With the sword as the weapon, we pray you will use God's word to resist and stand against sin and temptation. God's word says in Ephesians 6.11 to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We pray this over you, my son. The sword we present to you is our gift to remind you always to keep God's armor on and take the sword of the Spirit and serve God throughout your life. And I said, well done. <laughs> I thought to myself, I can get behind this. That was pretty good. And, and Right? So, as I was thinking through that, as I, you know, experienced that, you know, that, that interaction, and then it dawned on me. As, I, as he was telling me this, based on Ephesians 6, it dawned on me, and I asked myself, how well do I use my own sword? How well do I wield my sword? the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, in the spiritual battles I face in each and every day. How well do I use my sword? How skilled am I with the sword? And when I pull this out, how sharp is my sword to fight against my enemy in his most clever, cunning, powerful schemes against me? How skilled am I with my sword? How skilled are you?
during the cross conference a couple weeks ago, we have heard from many missionaries all over the world. And these missionaries who were serving in the field, who are now serving currently in the field, we we, we've heard from them. And as I was listening to their testimonies, their testimonies of how God worked through their lives, through them to share the gospel, I realized a common pattern. Now, what was the common pattern? The pattern was this, from their testimonies, that I could hear that they started to meet with these unbelievers and they built a relationship through school work or interaction with their neighbors. So they, they gained their trust. They were invited into their home and they were willing to spend time with these missionaries. As they started to meet, they simply began to read the Bible with them. They began to read God's Word with these unbelievers. And as they continued to read the Bible together, as they continued to discuss and help these people to understand what they have read, God began to work in their hearts. God uh, began to open their hearts and slowly they were opening up to the God of the Bible. The, the God, this God they read in the Bible and they saw this God in Jesus Christ, the Savior for their sin. And they came to saving faith. And this whole activity, this whole thing was centered around the Word. From the beginning to the end, it was the Word of life that brought salvation to these people. Brothers and sisters, what saved them from the eternal damnation? What saved uh, and brought these unbelievers out of darkness into the marvelous light? What made them into born-again Christian? Uh, what recreated them as new creation in Jesus Christ is what we also need today is what we, the existing believers, need today for God to complete the work He began in us. That's what we need today to sanctify us, to make us holy and righteous. We need the Word in us as well. Not just the unbelievers. We need the Word of God as believers just as much as unbelievers need it. We need to open our Bible. This is His uh, revelation for us. This is His Word, living Word in Jesus Christ. This is His love letter for us. We need to open this Word regularly, read it, and spend our time in it. Not just for the unbelievers. We need it. The disciples followers of Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this is a familiar passage. Some of you might recall the sermon I preached back in July, exactly from this text. And as we all know, this passage is about the armor of God. I share with you then, and I say it again, that Christianity is no gentle engagement. Christianity, this Christian life, 
is no exercise class. Christian walk is no walk in the park. It is warfare. It is spiritual warfare. It is a dogfight because of the terrible, serious nature of this warfare. We need to understand that. And because of this nature, how serious and terrible it is, how ongoing it is, it is necessary for the Christian soldier to wear the proper armor, proper gear that is adequate to fight against the enemy. And with the armor of God, even against our formidable opponent, we will be able to stand on our ground, fight him off successfully. Now, when we look at this passage, we know there are six items in the armor. We have the belt of the truth as the first item. This truth has to do with the Christian inner strength. For you to know and hold on to this truth, it gives you the inner confidence, inner strength. The next item is the breastplate of righteousness. It is Jesus' own righteousness that covers us protects us, the critical parts of our body, and it enables the believer to act in righteousness. The third item here is the sandal of the readiness from the gospel of peace. It is the readiness. It is the passion to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace. And then we have the shield of faith. This is an item that covers from head to toe for us to withstand the enemy's attack. And this is our faith in God. This is our trust in God. And this is our shield from the enemy. And the fifth item is the helmet of salvation. It protects the head, the most crucial part of the body. The helmet is the assurance of salvation. Our faith in the perfect in the finished, sacrificial, and atoning work of our Lord Jesus Christ that saves us. The assurance of salvation. It is the helmet of salvation. Now here comes the item of interest this morning. It is the sword of the Spirit. And it says, it is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Now, when you kind of we went over briefly the each item here, but all of the other items, the first five items in the armor of God are mostly designed for defensive purposes. And certainly it, none of them are uh, uh, for offensive purpose. And here, the last item of the armor is the only item for the offensive purpose. And this particular sword Paul had in mind, according to the word that, that he chose to use to describe the sword, is in fact a short-handled sword. It has a little ball-looking thing that, that helps the soldier not to lose that grip, and it is not long samurai sword or you know, uh, one of those big uh, dagger type of thing, but it, it is short and very short handled and uh, it is about the size of your torso. And it was an important um, offensive weapon 
for Roman soldiers uh, in their days. That it was their weapon of choice, especially for the close hand-to-hand -hand combat. Now, here is the last item, and it is that sword. And this sword, Paul calls it the sword of the Spirit, but it is also the Word of God. So it is the sword of the Spirit, but Paul also says it is the Word of God. How do we understand this? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Now, Holy Spirit is not the sword, but the Word of God is the sword. That's how we understand it. What I mean by that is this. The Spirit is not the source, but the nature of the sword. What the Spirit does is to make this sword, which is the Word of God, powerful and effective and giving the sword its cutting edges. As it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the Word of God is living and active, living and active by the Holy Spirit, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart so the word of god is the sword and this sword is made powerful made effective by the holy spirit when we wield it the the sword of the spirit is the word of god that is that relationship now here is an, another interesting point about the phrase, the Word of God. Now, in this phrase, the Word of God, Paul did not use, there's two options, and which is widely used word to describe uh, the word related to the scripture. And that word, Greek word, is logos. We know this word, we're familiar with this word, which means the exalted word, the scriptures. Yet Paul did not use that word logos, but instead he used the word rema. Now when logos includes nearly everything, rema is very light compared to logos. In fact, rema simply means a saying. It emphasizes the spoken uh, or uh, proclaimed word, rema. And in this particular case, when he said the word of God, Paul did not use logos, but he used rema. So he is referring to a specific portion of God's written revelation. He is referring when he says this, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, is not the entirety of the scripture, but specific portions of God's Word. So if I use John 3.16 as I preach, God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal everlasting life. If I use John 3.16 as I preach, John 3.16 is Rema. If I use Romans uh, 3.23, say, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of glory of God, as I share uh, the gospel, and I use Romans 3.23, that is Rema. 
And I believe this is important for us to understand. Because according to Paul, as he purposely chose this word, what he's saying is we are to fight Satan by the particular words or with the specific portions of the Bible. That is how we are to fight Satan. That is the sword in our hands. These specific portions of God's written revelation. Now let's think for a minute. This nature of sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, without the Word of God, without the sword of the Spirit, even with all these defensive armors we have on, what can we do other than just sit there and stand on our crown? We're just sitting duck because there is nothing that we can, you know, we have uh, to fight back against our enemy. Satan will pound on us. And as he pound on us, without this important item in the armor, well, we just, we're going to do nothing. We can't do anything. Yet, if I do have the sword around my belt, we can certainly use it to fight him off. But if I don't pull it out to fight him, what good is it? If I have the sword, yet I really don't know how to use it, then what happens? If I do have the sword, yet my sword, I pull it out, but yet it is so dull and it can't even cut a piece of paper, then, then what good is the sword? Brothers and sisters, we, we really, really need to understand this. The Word of God is the weapon, the powerful, the most, uh, um, just the greatest weapon that God has given to us in our spiritual battles against Satan. He will attack us in every chance he has. You can bet on that. He will tempt you. He will put doubts in your mind. He will cause you to deny your Lord and obey, disobey his commands. So how do we pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and how do we wield it forcefully as soldiers of God? How do we do it? That is the question that I want to uh, I want us to focus on. Now in Matthew chapter 4, in Matthew chapter 4, I believe we had the best example of how to fight off Satan's attack in light of what we're talking about here. In Matthew chapter 4, what do we see? We see Jesus in the wilderness fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil appeared out of nowhere, tempted Jesus for three times. Now, in this well-known story, the first time he tempts Jesus, the devil said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the Son of God. I know you have been fasting 40 days, 40 nights. Tell these stones, if you are the Son of God, to turn into bread. And you can satisfy your hunger. 
But when you read this, you you have to immediately wonder. And 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 if you are reading through Matthew, you you got to wonder and pause. Like, what do you mean, Satan? What do you mean if he is the son of God? If he is the son of God, he is the son of God. Earlier in chapter three, right before this incident at Jesus's baptism, God himself came out and declared that Jesus is my son whom I love. It was a direct and it was a, an, an, an unambiguous statement about Jesus. It was clear. It was direct. It was the voice from heaven and everyone heard it. And yet he says, if you are the son of God, because Satan doesn't care. He heard it too, but he doesn't care. And immediately he asks a question, if you are the son of God. What Satan is doing here is to test, is to challenge God's word. He is trying to doubt God's own word. He's trying to discredit his word. This happened back in the garden. Satan did exactly the same thing to tempt uh, and to place a doubt in Eve's mind. You know what he said to Eve? Did God really say? Did God really, really, really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did he, did he really say that? Sure, he said that. He heard it. He was there to hear it. But what was he doing? He was challenging. He was testing God's word. This is what he does all the time. And he does it, does it well. So what did Jesus say here? Jesus replied to Satan. He says, it is written. It is written if you are the son of god turn these stones into bread and satisfy yourself and jesus said to satan it is written man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of god what did jesus do here jesus replied with rema a quotation, direct quotation from deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 instead of using his own words Instead of Jesus using his own wisdom, his own knowledge, his own logic, his own experience, he is more than qualified to do so if he chose to do it, yet he didn't. He quoted the scripture word for word to reply to fight the devil's temptation. Then the devil took him to the highest point of the temple. And once again, he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Again, what is Satan trying to do here? He's like, you know what? I know the scripture myself. I also know the scripture a little. And here, what he is implying is from Psalm chapter 91, verse 11 and 12, to tempt Jesus. According to Psalm 91, Verse 11 and 12, this is what it says. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands and so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It was as if Satan was trying to say, you know what? I believe in the word as well. I know the word. 
So let's go up to the highest point of the temple. And why don't you jump? Because it is written that God, your God, will send His angels to save you. And people will see this, this miracle, and they will know who you truly are, and they will worship you and follow you. What, what better way is there for you to start your ministry? Go jump, because it is written. He said He will save you. But Jesus once again replied with Rema, quoting, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, he says, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not test your Lord. For Jesus, God is not to be tested, but God is to be trusted. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Finally, after showing the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and Satan said, all this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. I will give all this to you. Just bow down and worship me. Once again, Jesus said to Satan, by quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, Jesus says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him. Brothers and sisters, what, what, what must we learn from this? This is the best example of the power of specific sayings of the Word of God in the Bible. This is the best example of Rema being utilized as the sword of spirit, which is the Word of God. I mean, how powerful is it? As the devil tempted our Lord, he responded to Satan only through the specific words from the Scripture with the direct word-for-word -word quotations. It was all from Deuteronomy. Now, think about this. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, our Lord and Savior, who is Almighty God Himself, He and who, who, who would live a holy, perfect, sinless life here on earth, and at this point of temptation, He lived that life for 30 years, sinless, perfect, holy, righteous life. Yet he did not reply. Yet he did not rely on his own wisdom, based on his own knowledge, based on his own experience or his own logic. Yet Jesus Christ, the God himself, would use the scripture to overcome the devil's temptation. If that is what we see, how Jesus fought the temptation from the enemy, how much more should you and I need to do the same when we fight off the devil's temptation? How much more should we use the word to fight him off? You see, believing 
you and I, for us to believe the Bible is God's word. That's fantastic. This is his word. This is his direct revelation for us. And believing that, knowing that in your heart is good. For us to have this general idea about what the Bible is about, what the gospel is about, that's absolutely fantastic. But I'm going to tell you this morning, that is not enough. That is not how we win the battle. What Paul wants us to do is to place these, these specific words of the Bible in our hearts. So that when we are faced with devil's temptation, his schemes against us, we fight him off with his word, which is our sword. That means we have to spend time with the Word of God. That means we must make an effort to study and even memorize this powerful weapon from God. Because there's nothing more powerful than simply firmly root ourselves, fix ourselves in the specific words of God, in the specific promises of God. There's nothing more powerful than that. Church, we know this. We absolutely know that we need the Word of God in our lives. But how desperately do we need this? How desperately do we believe that we absolutely need this Word in ourselves in order for us to live and triumph against the enemy as Christians? We must take the Word of God in our hearts, in our minds. We got to pick up the sword of the Spirit. We got to sharpen it and we got to know how to wield it forcefully when we must. For any sword to do me any good against my enemy, I got to take it up. I must be sharp and I must know how to wield it. So as the Word of God. So as the Word of God. What we have here in the Bible truly is wonderful, life-giving, life-sustaining, blessed, eternal Word. But for the Bible, for the Word of God to be useful to you, useful for me in this ongoing spiritual battle that we face, this weapon from God must be ours. And in order for us to have this readily available when He tempts us, when He attacks us, we must read the Word, we must study it, we must spend time with it, learn to uh, enjoy it and love it. And I believe this is what David was talking about when he said, uh, in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Only the words that we know by heart will be useful. Because the rest of the word don't mean anything. You read it, but you don't know by heart. The words that you know by heart will be useful, will be available for you to use, for you to wield in the spiritual battle we will surely face. 
So brothers and sisters, how sharp, how sharp is your sword? How skilled are you in wielding your sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? You see, he who calls us is faithful, Paul says. In Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24, he who calls us is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. What He began in us, He will surely do it. For He is faithful. But how do we know that He is faithful? How do we know that He will surely do it? Just look at the Word. Look at the Word. Look and see His track record. How faithful He was. How awesome He was. How powerful He was. And He is. It is the Word that reminds us. It is the Word that assures us. He is faithful and He will surely do it. We know it because of the Word. So as a church for 2021, I want you to uh, truly be discipled by the Word of Life. I want you to be discipled by God's Word, not by me. By His Word. Yes, there are so many other wonderful books out there. There are so many wonderful Christian books that help your sanctification out there for you uh, to enjoy and be encouraged by these wonderful books, by wonderful authors. But there is nothing like this book, I promise. This is a living, active book that is not limited and restricted by time or culture, uh, by your individual circumstances, our differing situations that we experience. This is God's own word for you and for me and made powerful and effective by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So let's read it. Learn it. Store His Word in your heart. Know them by your heart. Learn to love it. Cherish it. And use it. And this is the, the only way for us to live our lives against the enemy. This is the only way for God to use the Word to continue to bring this uh, a sanctification, this perfection, the justification, the righteousness, the, our uh, heavenly position that we will eternally forever be to come to realization in here, right now, through the Word. So again, how sharp is your Word? Again, how skilled are we? with the Word of God. Now folks, uh, as Paul uh, was saying, I want us to uh, use this material and I believe this is very helpful. Um, it looks like this. It's called Foundation 260 Day Bible Reading Plan for Busy, Busy Believers. Now why is it three, uh, instead of 365 days, but why is it 260? Because you guys are busy. We are busy. If you take the weekends off out of 365 days in a year, you end up with 260 days. 
Um, that is why it is 260 day reading plan. Um, and we are going to cover the entire Bible in 260 days. What this does is encouraging you to stay on chapters. We can't read every single chapter uh, in 66 book in the Bible cover to cover word for word in 260 days. Um, but what this does is the chronologically important theological um, passages, chapters put together. And each day there will be a focus and summary and a direction that helps you as you read some of the difficult chapters. And there is that portion where you can ask these questions that helps you to apply and respond to the text you just read. And there is even um, uh, um, suggested uh, memory verses of that reading so that we can store God's Word in our hearts, readily available when things go rough, when you are challenged and tempted by the enemy, you can pull that Word out and assure and believe and trust in God. And this is what we must do and I, what I encourage you to do. Now, it runs $14.95 in Amazon with text and everything, probably will come out to be close to $17. But church will pick it up. Uh, we will sell it to you for $10. We're going to personally deliver this. Either I or leaders will. And I want you to purchase this. Use it. And this is what we are going to use. Um, just use it for our discipleship purposes on Wednesdays as well. He is faithful. He will surely do what He began in your heart, in your life. But you know what we need? We, know, we need His Word. We need His Word. So I encourage you to um, look into this year 2021 and hope we can use this as a year that we can break through. That we can um, just uh, rise up and deepen our understanding, our intimacy with the Word. That is my desire, my prayer for you. So, um, as soon as the book is available, I want you uh, to prayerfully consider this and think about it. And I encourage you to take this time uh, to truly know your Word, your weapon, the sword that God has placed in your hand. So that you could truly be able to stand firm on your ground. Amen. So uh, there will be a further update once this is made available. And before next Sunday, before next Sunday, um, this will be available for you to purchase and hand deliver. <laughs> and we'll make it happen. Okay. Um, I didn't tell this part to the leaders. <laughs> so <laughs> either I do it or they do it we'll, we'll all participate in it so that you will have this important uh, material that, that will help you and assist you in this important endeavor that we will take on as a church together for this, for this new year um, let me pray for you Father we thank you for our time thank you for this message Lord how important it is for us to read for us to be delighted in your word, for us to uh, just fill our hearts with your word. So that when the temptation comes, when the challenge and trials come, that we will know and we will be 
confident and assured in your word because we will be rooted and firmly built upon your word and nothing else. And this word is the living, active word. This is Jesus. And it is and made powerful and effective by the Holy Spirit who helps us to wield it. So Father, I, we pray that in your love and your grace and mercy, you revealed yourself in Jesus Christ and you reveal the word itself to us. And we have the word and through the word, we came to faith. We came to know and trust in Jesus Christ. And because we are saved, we need even more of your word for us to live that righteous, holy life that you desire. So, Father, I pray that give us that, that uh, um, desire, that decision to dwell in your word and learn and rejoice in your word. Help us to cultivate this habit, this important lifelong habit that we need to have in ourselves. Father God, help us to ask ourselves. We know the word but how well do we know it how well can we wield it how sharp is the sword that we have so father i pray that you would just uh um, just encourage us and convict us and lead us and move us into a decision to dwell in your word father i thank you in jesus name i pray amen <music>